Hi, I'm Rick Schwartz. And I'm Ebony Monet. Welcome to Amazing Wildlife, where we explore unique stories of wildlife from around the world and uncover fascinating animal facts. This podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, an international nonprofit conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and Safari Park. Today, we're going to learn about a unique lizard found in only one place in the world. The pink iguanas of the Galapagos Islands are critically endangered. Scientists are trying to figure out why juvenile pink iguanas have become a rare sighting. We will be speaking with an iguana expert, Dr. Glenn Gerber, with San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance about this unique pink species. Rick, Galapagos pink iguanas are only found in one area of one island in the Galapagos Islands. Can you tell us about the habitat? Okay, Ebony. I think first, it's important to make sure our listeners know a little bit about the Galapagos Islands. I mean, more accurately referred to as the Galapagos Archipelago, this cluster of 13 islands is located over 600 miles off the coast of Ecuador. You know, it, it straddles the equator, which really it, it gives it a very unique sort of position with all its habitats. It's a remarkable location where several different water currents all come together, offering up this unique blend of marine life. And the many islands, although very well known for their giant tortoises, are home to amazing and unique wildlife species. And as much as I could go on about the many different ecosystems that can be found on each island, I will simply say this. I know from my personal experience of being there, you can explore four very, very different ecosystems on just one island in less than a day. Okay, so obviously you're you're a fan of the Galapagos Islands, um, so we've hit on a subject that you're pretty excited about, but what about the, the pink iguanas and, and their habitat? But Ebony, are you sure Iguana Move On? I could do a whole episode about the amazing... <laughs> you got that one, did I? Could do... I did. <laughs> Seriously, though, I could do a whole episode about the amazing habitats and ecosystems of the Galapagos Islands. So, yes, I would Iguana Move On. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so fair enough. Let's let's jump into it. Uh, interestingly enough, the, the Galapagos Pink Iguana was not officially documented by science as its own species, or sometimes referred to as officially describing the species until 2009. And in the realm of you know describing or discovering species, that's fairly recent. And it's worth noting, they can only be found in a small and remote area at the very top of Wolf Volcano, an active volcano on Isabella Island. Now, Rick, when I first heard about iguanas living close to a volcano, I immediately thought the worst. I was like, oh no, does this volcano present a survival challenge? Yeah, I think it's fair to say, Ebony, that when you live on an active or near an active volcano, there's a chance of some serious challenges. Now, Wolf Volcano's most recent eruption was January of 2022, and prior to that, there was an eruption in 2015. Now, volcano eruptions can be anywhere from a lava flow uh, to a spewing of heat and gases, ash plumes, or a combination of any of those. All of those things could pose a risk to the wildlife living around the volcano. But sometimes volcanoes also create the perfect ecosystem for some species, as long as they can survive the eruptions. The good news is the most recent eruptions did not seem to pose any risk to the local wildlife. That is good news. So far, we've established that the Galapagos pink iguanas are found in a remote habitat in nature with added challenges. 
But what about the pink iguana itself? Can we get into some of what makes it stand out besides being pink? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yes and no, Ebony. And what I mean by that is we do know some things about them, but we are also still learning about them too. You know, first and foremost, I think it's important to let everyone know they are indeed pink, um, almost a salmon color if you were to see them with some dark gray bands or, or black markings that help break up their body pattern. And other than that, they look very much like other ground iguanas that reside on the Galapagos Islands. But just because they look very similar to other iguanas on the island, it is worth noting that they are a separate species. And of course, this is very important for the future survival of the pink iguana. As far as diet, like other iguanas found in the region, they are primarily herbivores, eating prickly pear, cactus leaves, and fruit in the dry grasslands and deciduous forests of the area around the volcano. So, Rick, pink iguanas are both new and old. How is it that a species that has origins that have been traced back millions of years can also be relatively newly discovered? Yeah, Ebony, that, that does seem kind of odd, doesn't it? But it is fair to say the species has been around for a very, very long time. And it is also fair to say there are parts of the world that humans haven't explored. And that's kind of the case here with our friend the pink iguana. Although Charles Darwin and other explorers recorded many unique species during their explorations of the Galapagos Islands, they didn't explore every single part of the island. And specifically, that applies here to this topic because there was never a sighting of a pink iguana until a park ranger saw them in 1986. And like we mentioned previously, it wasn't until 2009, 23 years later, that they were officially described as their own species. Wow. So how big of a deal is it for scientists to identify a new species as they did, as you just mentioned, with the pink iguana? Well, it is a really big deal, Ebony. I mean, these kind of findings give us the opportunity to better understand the world around us and the importance of the ecosystems here on Earth. So the pink iguana, unfortunately, isn't faring well in nature. Scientists describe its population size as dangerously low. Rick, how are cats, of all things, presenting a major conservation hurdle? Uh, yes. Unfortunately, Ebony, this is something we see with many island species of wildlife. The Galapagos pink iguana has lived on the island for millions of years, and in that time, predation from land carnivores didn't really exist. Additionally, they didn't have to worry about the nest being raided by rodents who like to eat eggs, uh, but as humans started to visit and inhabit these islands, rats, mice, and domestic cats were all introduced to the island and started to roam freely. Additionally, it was common practice for sailors traveling around the world to drop off goats on the islands, allowing them to flourish on these islands that lacked any predators. The sailors did this because they knew they could stop by the islands and have goats available for food later on. Unfortunately, these goats enjoy the same food that the iguanas eat, and the rats and mice that were introduced enjoy raiding the ground nests that the iguanas have eating their eggs. And with the introduction of cats roaming freely, young iguanas are easy prey as they are unable to protect themselves from these new predators. And now, with all that said, it's worth mentioning the Galapagos National Park, along with several conservation partners, are working diligently to solve the challenges that the pink iguana and other iguana species face. So there's some good news on that front. Scientists have devised a way to learn more about the pink iguana in an effort to protect and save it from extinction. We're talking to Dr. Glenn Gerber, a San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance scientist in population sustainability and an iguana expert about that. But first, this. 
Now it's time for the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance Minute, an opportunity for you to learn what's new. Good news in conservation. The Stevens kangaroo rat was reclassified from endangered to threatened under the Endangered Species Act. This comes after 30 years of conservation efforts. San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance has teamed with federal, state, and local agencies, including U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the Riverside County Habitat Conservation Agency and other partners to work on long-term conservation programs for the species. Stevens kangaroo rats live throughout San Diego and Riverside counties, but many people have never heard of them, let alone seen one. This is mainly because kangaroo rats are nocturnal. They spend their days in underground burrows and come above ground at night to forage for seeds. The population of pink iguanas is currently estimated between 200 and 300 animals. Dr. Glenn Gerber is a San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance scientist in population sustainability. He works to come up with new solutions to improve conservation efforts for reptile species. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Ebony. Nice to be here. So as someone who has made a career of studying reptiles, what's your reaction when you learned of the discovery of the pink iguanas? Honestly, because it was in the Galapagos Islands, which is such a well-studied archipelago and everybody knows it because of Darwin's theory of evolution, I was absolutely floored. So I've been studying island iguana species for 30 years and uh, never imagined that, uh, you know, four and a half foot long black and pink lizard living on top of a volcano in Galapagos would be discovered, described as science in the 22nd century absolutely blew me away. And how many different species of iguana are in the Galapagos Islands? Currently, there are four species of iguanas described for the Galapagos. A marine iguana, which most people are familiar with, one of the most unique iguana species on the planet that actually feeds on algae growing on rocks in the water, which is a very unique thing. And then three species of land iguanas, one of which is the pink iguana. And can you help us to to understand um, from a science perspective and, and possibly a conservation perspective, what's the significance of identifying these separate species? Well, each of these species represents a unique evolutionary lineage. Marine iguanas and land iguanas split from each other. They shared a common ancestor and split from each other about four and a half million years ago. Wow. The land iguana lineage subsequently split to form the three species we have today. The pink iguana split from the others about one and a half million years ago. So it's one of the more ancient lineages of land iguanas in the Galapagos. And can you speak to the uniqueness of the Galapagos pink iguana? Yeah, well, it's, you know, newly described to science. It's pink, of course. The others are various shades of yellow and black, and uh, it has a very small range and a very small population. So it's highly endangered because of those things. And Glenn, when we, when we think about pink animals, I know I think of birds like flamingos and spoonbills. Are there other pink reptiles and are there advantages to being pink? There are a few other pink reptiles, although very few in the wild. Most reptiles and amphibians and fish that are pink, it's because they lack melanin or lack pigment. 
So what you're seeing when you see a, the pink in the iguana is actually blood vessels near the surface. Whether or not that's adaptive, we don't know, but there are quite a few pink animals under human care that uh, breeders have produced for the reptile trade. And that's very popular, but those animals don't exist in nature for the most part. And we opened up the conversation mentioning that there are 200 or 300 of these animals left. How serious is the situation for, for the species with a population that small? It's critical. So they're listed as critically endangered on the IUCN Red List of Threatened Species, which is sort of the world authority for those sorts of things. So not only are there very few animals, but they all exist in a single population, and that population lives on the edge of an active volcano. So if that volcano erupted um, on their side, it could be devastating. There's no backup per se. The other thing is just all sorts of stochasticity can happen in a population that small. If a disease were to come through, it could wipe the population out. There are issues with feral predators. And as I think you're aware, the population is composed almost entirely of adults, which is a problem for the species. Wow. And they also have a, a nesting practice that, that's not helping either. Can you describe the nesting practice? I wouldn't say the nesting practice isn't helping, but um, so iguanas, they often live in burrows in the ground that they have dug out and they'll live in them for decades sometimes um, in crevices and rocks and things like that. When they nest, the females go to a, usually a separate area, dig a long tunnel underground and excavate a chamber at the end of that tunnel that's big enough for them to turn around in. They lay their eggs in there. And there has to be an air pocket over those eggs for them to develop. And then they backfill that tunnel and seal it. So the eggs are essentially sealed underground, usually in an area that's exposed to full sunlight. They incubate for about two and a half, three months. And the juveniles communally dig a exit tunnel and emerge. But when they emerge, they're obviously much, much smaller than adults. And there's no parental care once they're so once they emerge they're on your own so those little lizards are much much more vulnerable to predators both native and introduced glenn you mentioned that most of the pink iguanas are adults is can you explain why is is that is that why most of the pink iguanas currently are adults yeah so the the situation is these are very long-lived animals um 40 50 60 years perhaps longer um once they reach adulthood they are pretty immune from predators. Galapagos has a hawk, which probably can't take a full-grown adult iguana. Um, and it has introduced predators in the form of feral cats and rats, which definitely can't take an adult iguana. But all of those predators, and there's also a native snake, a racer that can prey on the juveniles. And the level of predation is so high that very few, if any, juveniles survive to adulthood. So uh, this is a really critical situation because obviously a population that can't replace itself is doomed to extinction. So there are two ways we're hoping to deal with that. One is some of our partners at Island Conservation and Hokotoko Foundation, which is an Ecuadorian NGO, um, with support from Rewild, are implementing feral cat control measures for the entire range of pink iguanas on Wolf Volcano. 
So we are hoping to suppress the cats from that area. Isabella is too big an island to get rid of all the cats, but if we can exclude them from the area where the pink iguanas are, then some of these juveniles should be able to survive and make it to reproductive maturity. The second approach is what we call head starting, which is locating the nesting grounds for these female pink iguanas, protecting those nests, and collecting the juveniles as they emerge from those nests and moving some of those juveniles to a captive facility where they can be reared until they're large enough to be returned to the wild and survive with feral cats. So is that why researchers are are tracking iguanas? Can you talk about the process of tracking iguanas and the special technology being used? Absolutely. So one of the challenges of working on Wolf Volcano is that it's extremely remote. So Isabella is the largest island in the Galapagos. It's composed of six volcanoes that merged. Wolf is the largest one of those. It's over a mile high, and almost all of Isabella is uninhabited. So it's 40 miles from Wolf Volcano to the only small village at the south end of Isabella. There are no roads. There are no footpaths. There's nothing. It's either a two- or three-day hike from sea level to over a mile high or a helicopter ride. On top of that, you can't go anywhere in the Galapagos Islands without National Park Rangers. They are not going to make extensive trips, so you're usually limited to a couple of weeks at best. So we developed a tracking technology to try and figure out where these pink iguanas are living exactly, and in particular, where the females are nesting. We wanted to use green technology, so rather than putting a lithium-ion battery in a transmitter and attaching it to an iguana and essentially introducing that poison into the environment, we worked with engineers at the University of Tor Vergata in Rome, Italy, and developed a tracking device that has a solar panel and a solar capacitor, which stores energy just temporarily while the sun is shining. As soon as there's enough energy in the capacitor, it turns on the transmitter. It records a GPS location, several environmental variables, and logs that data onto a microchip and then shuts itself off. And the process repeats over and over. So we started doing that and started attaching those units to animals in 2019 and again in 2021. And the data are relayed via a satellite gateway. So when the iguanas get within range of the gateway, the data is uploaded via this gateway, transmitted via satellite back to a server at the University of Rome, Tor Vergata. Wow. So what's next in the the efforts to save the the pink iguana? Are you going to have to figure out how to protect um, the the eggs in that remote location? Yeah. So there's really a three-pronged effort underway. First is the one I already mentioned about with the groups who are working to control the feral predators, the cats in particular. Second is putting more transmitters on female iguanas and locating their specific nest sites, protecting them, monitoring them, collecting some of those juveniles and transferring them to a Head Start facility that will be operated by the Galapagos National Park Directorate and other partners. And then the sort of third and final approach is ultimately using some of those Head Started animals 
to found an additional population on another island. So again, because these animals are in a single population and that population happens to be on the edge of a very active volcano, even solving the reproductive issue and the predator issue doesn't give them a very secure future. So we're looking at other sites on other islands for habitat that will be good for a pink iguana population. And ultimately, we will use some of those head-started animals to found a new population on another island. So there'll be at least two populations, which will give us a, a hedge against extinction. Dr. Glenn Gerber with San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. Thanks for talking with us. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. That wraps up our talk about the Galapagos pink iguana. We hope you learned a lot. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe and tune in to next week's episode, in which we'll bring you the story of a great ape species so closely related to chimpanzees, it was first thought that they were a pygmy version of the chimps. My new favorite great ape. (laughs) (laughs) Just got to shout that from the treetops. (laughs) Yes. I'm Ebony Monet. And I'm Rick Schwartz. Thanks for listening. If you would like to find out more about San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, please visit sdzwa.org. Amazing Wildlife is a production of iHeartRadio. Our producer is Nakia Swinton, and our executive producer is Marcy DePina. Our audio engineer and editor is Sierra Spring. For more shows from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> 